1: What is up, dolphins fans, and welcome into the Friday, December the 6th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, and on today's show, we have a jam-packed Twitter mailbag to get to all of your questions about the Miami Dolphins, the NFL Draft, and everything in between, plus Tua tonga big presser happened on Thursday. We'll get into the details and some more roster moves brings about the story on Brian Flores' propensity to scour the football landscape for talent. All of that and much more, but first before any of it. I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, tuned in, however you get your podcast. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL voted. The number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at Locked on Fins. We'll follow you back. And check out Lockedondolphins.com. We have all the written stories for you guys on this football team. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another- So y'all are getting the third version of me in as many days. Wednesday saw my energy completely zapped out by chills and aches and a fever. Yesterday, it moved into the throat and have a little more raspiness in my voice in that show, and now today, as you can tell, I'm very nasally, so again, my apologies, but I imagine we'll be back close to full strength by Sunday's show, at least, I hope. Knock on some wood there. The roster overturning continued in Miami on Thursday as the Dolphins waived Last year's 6th round draft pick in Ohio State tackle Isaiah Prince, he'll have one day to clear waivers before the Dolphins can sign him back to the practice squad. And just real quick, this has been the team's MO, their main objective this season. Constant scouring of the waiver wire is something that Brian Flores learned from his time in New England under Bill Belichick. When he was first hired, he did that Adam Schefter podcast, I believe it's called Schefter and Friends, and he mentioned, Flores did, that the one thing that he learned most from Belichick was the importance of detail. He ran New England's transaction board up there, and the old adage was, whether you get one wrong or 20 wrong, wrong is wrong. And so that's how he became the anal retentive, detail-obsessed man that he is today, but it also taught him to constantly scout what's out there, and not just college prospects or free agents, but pro personnel from other clubs like Off Practice Squad and the like. This is just one of 18,000 reasons why I'm all in on Brian Flores, and I know some of you will tell me to cool my jets and wait for him to coach seven more years, but nah, I'm good. I trust my evaluations, and I trust that Brian Flores is the right man for the job. But back on topic, they tried to sign a member of the Eagles practice squad, just as they did with Evan Brown, the center from the New York Giants, Sua Opeta. But he was promoted by Philadelphia to prevent the signing, so he remains with the Eagles. And the story on all these guys they're going after, whether it's the offensive line, at the receiver position, like Mac Hollins, who is jacked up and fast. These guys are all big, large humans with plus athleticism. And the same is true of the signing they did make on Thursday— to replace Prince on the roster, and former Baltimore defensive tackle Zach Sealer, I think that's how you say it. He's six foot six, three hundred and two pounds, played his college ball at Ferris State. Quick trivia question. Anybody know where Ferris State is? I don't. And he had some super impressive workout numbers, both running, jumping, and doing the bench press. So that's another 10% roster overhaul this team has committed in just the last three days, as they just churn, baby churn. That has been the MO of this entire season. All right, who saw the Tuatunga-Vailoa press conference? There was not a lot to it. He wore pajamas that maybe had dogs on them or cats. I couldn't tell, but I thought it was funny. And I did think there were two takeaways from it, nothing major. But the first one was that in the way he commands a room, just an ultimate leader, definitely the kind of guy you would trust as the face of your franchise. And I refer to Flores and Greer's combine availabilities back in February a lot when discussing what they prefer at the quarterback position accuracy and mobility those were the two main physical traits but they both spoke about how a guy is wired how he commands the locker room and I always thought that was kind of a shot across the bow of Ryan Tannehill because Tannehill's a great guy he's never going to say anything bad about anybody he's tough and people like him but he kind of kept to himself he and Lauren his wife were kind of homebodies and didn't really reach out a whole lot so they were just kind of confined to their own space and that's fine but as a quarterback You probably can't have that, but even more, it tells me that Justin Herbert would not be the guy because we've heard plenty of reports about how he's not much of a leader at all and guys don't really gravitate towards him, but Tua, oh buddy, that's what he does every single day. He eats leadership for breakfast, and if they want him, it's going to have to be that first pick in the first round. That's the other takeaway. Tua admitted that if he were assured of going top 10 or even top 15 in next year's draft, that that would be hard to pass up. And he mentioned that he had the conversation about financials and family and future with Nick Saban. And so Saban, in a way, is almost advising him, look, go get your money, son. And I kind of got that through Tua's press conference on Thursday as well. So I think all this means that he does come out. He also said he's already in rehab and the team doctors are surprised by how much mobility that hip already has against resistance. So that is a great, great sign. And one last note here on Tua, I saw an article late on Wednesday night as I was trying to find out some information about this presser that came out on Thursday, and I found an article by the famed Dr. David Chow on Twitter, and he wrote this idea that Tua should come out this year because he thinks that hip is a little bit of a ticking time bomb and you don't want to waste a year of taking that tread down on that hip in college and not getting paid for it now that's not the most promising endorsement obviously but I still continue to go back to the Drew Brees decision you have to be bold at some point because there's always going to be obstacles facing drafting a top level quarterback whether it's trading up whether it's having these issues or concerns Patrick Mahomes for instance everyone thought that he was too sandlot to make it work and now look look at him. And granted, a hip injury is nothing like that. But there were doctors that advised against the Drew Brees decision. And how did that work out? I want to go all in. I believe in the talent. I believe in the player. If the medical is what cost him, so be it. I'll accept that. I know this guy is going to be a stud if he's healthy. And I think he'll get healthy because of the work habits and the work ethic and his drive to get back to being great. I just think you'd be a damn fool to bet against Tua Bailoa. All right, we have a jam-packed mailbag to get to here on the other side. We'll do that coming up. But first, it is conference championship weekend and a great time to get in on the action with my bookie. My bookie is for the fan that knows football. If you think you can call any game, whether it's the total score or the winner, then my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet between football season NBA and the start of college hoops not college poops but college hoops it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot try a parlay for instance if you like to bet a couple of big favorites this week parlays are perfect because it lets you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout so if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win than they do. And if you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand bucks. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code ON, all caps, one word, to activate that offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKED ON to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer today. Visit MyBookie.ag where you play, you win, you get paid.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
1: Drive. It is Friday, and since we took last week off on Friday for Thanksgiving, we didn't have a mailbag, so we're two weeks into this one. You guys gave me 66 questions on the Locked On Dolphins mailbag. I put the call out on Twitter. Every single Thursday and we'll do it on the Friday podcast and get to all your questions. Let's go ahead and jump right in here. The first one from Noah DuPont at Noah's a dork. You have noted a few times in the film breakdown that Jerome Baker might not be best suited for the role he's playing right now based on his weight and skill set. Do you see a position in this scheme that might be a better fit for him? Well, frankly... A lot of the reasons he has those issues are because of his build and the fact that he's just not much of a pure pass rusher. Now, he can blitz and close down angles and flatten really well because he's that athletic and that fast, but there's no real pass rush to his game. He's not going to give you hand fighting or different chop moves or arm overs. He's just not going to counter with multiple moves in his arsenal to win as a pass rusher, and that's what you have to do as a linebacker in this scheme, whether it's on the inside or the outside because, to refer to the same two guys we talk about every damn time, Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower in New England both those guys can play inside out They both have the long arms and the stout strength to hold the point of attack and set the edge, and they have an arsenal of pass rush moves. I just don't know if that's Jerome Baker. He might be a better fit as a weak side off-ball linebacker in like a 4-3 traditional scheme, and that's just not what they're going to do here. So I am curious to see what happens. I do think they'll go forward with him because they like his leadership and the way he communicates the defense, and they do have a lot of trust in him. I think they'll find a role for him, but right now, personally, as someone that doesn't know football as well as someone like Brian Flores, for instance... I just don't know what it is quite yet. So sorry for the half answer, but that's kind of my best answer I can give you. This one comes in from Evan F. He's at Mr. Underscore Game of Fame. Who are some of your sleeper picks the Dolphins should consider at the wide receiver and running back positions in next year's draft? I like A.J. Dillon a lot from Boston College, and he might not get a lot of pop because people might think that he maybe isn't athletic enough, but that dude moves like Ronnie Brown at a huge size. He weighs 250 pounds and can just run people over, I've seen him rated around like 150 to 180 in most mock drafts. And so if you get him that late, that would be an ultimate sleeper for me. And this guy might not be much of a sleeper, but he will go on day three. LSU's running back Clyde Edwards. Hilaire. that guy just he just wins and he's not going to blow you away physically or with his stature. But man, he just figures out how to get himself into open space and make people miss. So I'll go with both those guys at running back at receiver. This class is just it's unbelievably loaded how class this how deep this class is. I think Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State is a good option, a guy that can run after the catch and would fit this scheme quite well. Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty is a big-time option that folks were talking about as a small school sleeper. Denzel Mims at Baylor is one of my favorite players in this year's draft. Gabe Davis at UCF could be in that mold. And also probably my favorite of the entire group would be Tylan Wallace from Oklahoma State. He's coming off of an ACL tear, I think just last month. So you might have to kind of stash him on the PUP to start the season, but you probably can get him now on day number three. Next question here comes in from the Mitch perspective. He's at Mitch Pro. And he's actually a locked on Dolphins.com writer. What's going on, Andrew? What veteran options do you see as viable over the next two off-seasons if the Finns are unable to obtain a quarterback through the draft for whatever reason? I still think that if Cam Newton gets cut or if they trade him, he's the top option to go in that direction. I think there's still something left with Cam that we haven't seen, and he's kind of been rushed back from injuries the last few years, and that's put his, his, you know, his overall stock a little bit lower than it should be. And if the Dolphins could capitalize on that, that'd be great. And then I think the reasonable option is Teddy Bridgewater because you circle back to last offseason when they wanted him, and I wonder where they would be at as far as money goes because I'm not giving Teddy Bridgewater really anything more than what you gave Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to want more than that, but all things told, I just don't think the veteran quarterback market's going to bear fruit for you. It's going to have to come out of the draft, but I would say those are the top two guys, Cam and Teddy Bridgewater. Next one here from Clinton Parrott, at Clint Parrott. I see Tua dropping down the draft boards and pundits predicting him falling out of round one of the draft. Do you see Miami taking a flyer in him with their first pick? Yeah, that him falling out of the first round is never going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He's too damn good. There's too much upside and there are too many teams that need quarterbacks in this league that would love to get that fifth year option. So I think if Miami wants him, it has to be with that first pick and probably has to be in the top five. When you consider how high up the board's quarterbacks always get pushed, regardless of circumstance. Next question here is from Matt Salford, City UK. He's at Salt City Biggie. How is your partner getting on with the pregnancy? Hope the three of you are well. Well, thank you so much. It's it's nice to get questions like that on the podcast. She's she's dying right now because we're both very, very sick, and she got the worst of it. She had the aches and the chills and the fever a couple days before I did, and I just sat and watched football all weekend while she was sick, and then it caught up to me on Monday, and she can't take anything because of the pregnancy, and so she's just dying, and it kills me. I, I hate seeing it. And I'm over here recovering faster because I do have cold medicine and the like. And she's just sitting there still dying. So she'll get back to normal, but I just, she's not doing well right now. Two weeks until we get to Miami. I can't wait for that. Both going to be healthy. Both going to be in South Florida. Hopefully we can meet up with some of you guys. Next question here from Andy Cardell. He's at... Annie Cerise 03, I know I butchered that, but hey, we're going to go with it anyway. What would it take for Josh Rosen to get another shot next year with a revamped line and a better team? Look, guys, there are people out there that are telling you the idea of Josh Rosen coming back is a possibility. It's not going to happen. I, I keep talking about it on the podcast. He's He doesn't know the offense. He didn't pick it up fast enough. That's why Brian Flores and the coaches are so distraught every time the people talked about him in the media. He's just not... He doesn't have the aptitude to pick up this offense in a way that you can really excel. Look at Brian Fitzpatrick in this offense and having the best year of his career at age 37, talking about how comfortable he is, talking about how much confidence he has, because this system empowers quarterbacks. It empowers the right quarterback, the smart quarterback. And I know Josh Rosen's a smart kid, but being smart and being football smart are two completely different things. And he's just not there. He's not fast enough in his processing. It's, it's not going to happen. I, I promise. Next question from Alejo Vidal at Alejo Vidal on Twitter. I, again, I sorry, I'm sorry, i sorry for the terrible accent. Why isn't anybody worried about drafting, acquiring linebackers? We have no run defense nor lots of pressure from that crew. 100% right. I completely agree with that. They're going to have to find guys that fit this scheme much better because right now I think Raquan McMillan and Vince Beagle are really the only two long-term guys that could fit specific roles, but they might be guys that kind of play one and one and a half of a role and kind of are interchangeable that way. Andrew Van Ginkle could figure into that, but he needs to get better as a pass rusher, and we got to see more from him in general but I think there's going to be guys in this class that are bigger longer stronger that make a lot more sense and that can rush the passer I think linebackers are very underrated need on this football team Next question here comes in from Mike, the magic man. He's at magic, uh, Mike underscore magic underscore man. I will be in South Florida for the holidays as a devoted listener and fam. I was curious. What are the dates for your trip? We get in on Thursday, the 19th, and I think we fly out on the 26th, the day after Christmas. So we'll be there for about a week through Christmas. And yeah, I'd love to meet up with as many fans as possible during that week. Of course, the wife and I want to have some time to ourselves, but I'm sure one of those nights we'll be down there on the out on the town on Los Olas, out in Fort Lauderdale. I think the plan right now is if the Cougs get into a certain bowl game that happens during that week, we're going to go to a bar on Los Olas and check out the Cougs game and probably get some dinner. Hopefully I can make that kind of a locked-on Dolphins meet-up night and watch the Cougs. Go Cougs! Next question here is from Will. He is at underscore Will Reeves underscore. Would you be okay with picking the quarterback? Hopefully Tua with the first pick, then spending the next three picks on offensive linemen. For example, Wills, Humphrey, and Leatherwood. Absolutely I'd be for that because I think this offensive Line needs the most retooling, but I don't know if they're gonna go in that direction because they've they've been a little bit more guarded towards developing offensive linemen later in the draft or signing bottom tier free agents and kind of pulling them up that way. We're seeing them go after the offensive line right now. At the end of the season with Evan Brown, they tried to go after the kid from Philadelphia. And then earlier in the season, we saw them go after Danny Isadora and Evan Baim and Julian Davenport. So they definitely are privy to the fact that this offensive line needs help. And those three guys you mentioned Wills, Humphrey, and Leatherwood, all damn good football players, but will they go that high on the resource? I'm not sure if they would three straight times, maybe just once, to get your surefire left tackle or right tackle if it's Tua, but I think it's a not a bad idea. I just don't think they'll go that overkill at any one position, especially along the offensive line where the Patriots in the past have developed so many guys up front. Next one here comes in from Dolphins fan 82 at Dolphins fan 82 Do you think the Dolphins are going after specific guys in this class that they'll use some of their many draft picks to go and get, or are they just taking whoever is best available and getting as many talented guys as they can with where they're picking? I think this Dolphins team is going to draft a lot more like the Seahawks have in the past compared to what the Dolphins have, or really any other team for that matter, where they identify the guy they want and they go get him. I think a great example of that was Detroit last year with Jelani Tavai, the Hawaii linebacker. The Dolphins, Patriots, and Lions are the three same defenses. We saw the Ron Jaworski tweet on... Wednesday where he talked about how these three teams play the most man coverage of anybody else in the NFL. The Dolphins were at 64% man coverage I believe it was and Jelani Tavai wasn't thought to be that high by other teams because those other teams, the other 29 teams in the league, don't value players of that build but the Lions, Dolphins, and Patriots do and I think you might see some of that approach and why I say the Seahawks is because the Seahawks take whoever they want and they don't care how the pundits feel about it. They take guys to fit their scheme, to fit their program, to fit their profile And that's okay. And also, what the Seahawks do is they trade back every single year. All my friends out here in the Northwest hate never having a first round pick because Seattle almost always trades out of the first round. I think Miami's going to move down the board, move up the board. That's the idea of draft day flexibility. It gives you the right or the opportunity to go up, go down as you see fit. And it really allows you to continually restock the draft cupboard in years to come by continuously moving back and constantly manipulating the draft board because you have all those picks. You can afford to do that. All right, we're going to take our last break here and then come back on the other side with more of your Twitter questions here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL and the show at Locked Fins.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Let's go ahead and close this podcast out with some more of your mailbag questions. I was thinking about going over the list of players to keep an eye on this weekend during championship weekend, but truthfully there's probably a hundred of them so I didn't want to do that and just read off a list of names so with that we go right back into the mailbag here you guys put the call out I put the call out on Twitter and you guys respond with your questions and I get to as many as I can and I've got one here from Frank Johnston he's at Frank Johnston one but you asked about the Patriots and draft picks and I kind of just covered that so I just wanted to acknowledge it Frank I apologize for not getting to your question but I kind of just answered that so we'll move on from this one Next one here comes in from Roger Weinstein, at Roger Weinstein. Hey, that's our COO's last name, Weinstein. Good company. If he declares, how far can you see Tua falling in this year's draft? Love the show. Well, thank you, Roger. If Tua declares, I don't see any way that he gets past teams like the Chargers or the Panthers, who might say goodbye to Cam Newton, might say goodbye to Phil Rivers, the end of eras as long-term veteran quarterbacks. There's, I just don't think there's any way that a team like that could pass on the opportunity of getting a potential franchise quarterback in the teens or in the middle of the draft like that. So I think that if the Dolphins want to get him, it has to be with that first pick. I, I just think there's no way he gets outside the top 15 and really, truthfully, probably not even the top 10. Next question here from orangefin44 at jshu2313. Better beard, Jesus or Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, is there any difference? Ryan Fitzpatrick, they had that clip of him at the Sun Sentinel. I think it was Safid Dean was showing us this, where Fitzpatrick was like combing out the beard and and getting it all conditioned. And that thing is a thing of beauty, man. So I'm going to go with Fitzpatrick because that dude throws touchdowns for the Dolphins. How many touchdown passes has Jesus thrown for the Dolphins? Zero. So it's got to be Fitzpatrick. Next one here comes in from Wally Govern 3 at Wally Govern 3 on Twitter. That's easy enough for me. Hey bro, just wondering how you're feeling. Hope you're kicking that bug's ass. I'll be at the game Sunday. Do you think we'll see another Dolphins win? I, I talked about the preview show yesterday, and I I think I think it's gonna be a good game. I think both teams are gonna come out competitive, and they're gonna actually give us a good show to watch on Sunday. And I just think that Adam Gaze at home is different than Adam Gaze on the road. So I don't think they'll win. But like I said, if they do win, I just hope it's emphatic and just bury the Jets and just put them into the turf there at MetLife Stadium. As for the bug, feeling much better. I probably don't sound much better, but my eyeballs felt like they were going to explode out of my head this morning. My sinuses were so clogged. And that was kind of the worst of it. But right around lunchtime, I kind of took a turn for the better. So I think maybe we're on the mend here. But Wally, I appreciate that question so much, man. Thank you. Next one here from David Gregg at 2187 Sports. Dolphins take Tua, but let him sit out the entire season to heal. End up with the 2021 number one pick. Who's your guy, Tua or Lawrence? Oh man, that's a tough question. I think it would have to depend on how far along we feel about Tua's recovery with the hip injury because either way, you're going to get a bounty of draft picks whether you want to trade the first overall pick and let someone come get Trevor Lawrence or if you trade Tua away, you're going to get a recoup for that first round pick as well there. So I guess it just depends. I think that right now... I would have these two quarterbacks pretty close in terms of how I feel about them as prospects. I know Lawrence can do no wrong and he's kind of earned the right to be able to do that. But Tua is is damn good in his own right too. So I think that they're pretty even as prospects go. But of course, the hip injury concerns you. Lawrence, I don't think has any medical concerns. So you might just be safe and go that route. But if Tua is progressing and you're getting to that point, I don't see why you wouldn't just take that draft haul and build the team around Tua because you've already started to do that. If you draft him this year, you probably built the team around him in a certain way. I think you probably just continue that in 2021, take the draft picks, and build the team around Tua Tungavailoa. Next one here from Patrick Mullen at the One Gun. Tell me if I got that wrong, Patrick. Please let me know on Twitter. Given Parker's blossoming and Williams displayed potential this year, does that move wide receiver on the list of 2020 needs? I think it kind of does, man, because Alan Hearns got the extension and I I continue to talk about him on the podcast probably more than any other Dolphins coverage outlet out there. I think that Hearns is a good slot receiver that can do some things. Some of his best seasons with Jacksonville and not the year in Dallas, but with Jacksonville came playing from the slot and I think he's reliable in that position and I'm starting to think that maybe even Albert Wilson could come back at $8 million next season and kind of have a one-year audition because, frankly, they can afford that if they want to. Jakeem Grant's the one I think could be on the outs since he has another injury, multiple injuries this season. So I think at most you'll see like a late day two, probably day three draft pick at receiver and just kind of call it good from there. Next question here from Tom Kavanaugh at TomAnik1. What do you think this coaching staff could have done with a roster including Sue Wake, Howard Parker, Landry, Stills, Ajayi, Drake, Williams, Pouncy, Tunzel, James, and Tannehill? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you about that, Tom, is look at the names you just listed. That's a lot of talented football players right there. And Chris Greer still gets so much crap, and I, I don't understand why. I think it's probably because of Charles Harris. Obviously, he was part of the Deion Jordan deal, but again, it's a collaborative. A lot of folks were a part of all those deals, and there have not been a shortage of talent that has been brought into this roster, and I wrote the article about it a few weeks ago, how coaching has been the biggest downfall. They couldn't develop talent, and now they finally are developing talent, so with those guys in the roster and building up the bottom part of the roster, I still think they probably would have started off slow this year because it was kind of a slow burn to get into the mix of things and getting this coaching staff acclimated and getting the program acclimated to the coaching staff I think it would have been a slow start probably would have won eight or nine games maybe snuck into the playoffs but then in 2020 you would have had a lot of promise and upside and potential going into that next season considering how much the team improved from September October into November and December all right, I'm starting to fade here a little bit. Let's go ahead and do one more. This one's from Tom. He's at Hot Stover on Twitter. What's going on, Tom? If Fins don't go quarterback in round one, for whatever reason, Tua staying, etc., what three positions should they address with those first three rounders? Well, I'm never going to be one to pigeonhole a team into a drafting a certain position. I don't think that's a good way to do it. I always believe in taking the best player, especially when you have a roster that has so many countless needs. One thing that teams will do heading into the draft is they'll play through mock draft simulators. I'm not saying they go out and use the draft network or fan speak, but they play these games and simulate situations to figure out where they're going to be looking at at certain spots in the draft, how they might be able to trade back, how there could be more depth at a position later on. And this is kind of something I did when I played fantasy football so many years ago. If there was a glut of players at a position, you didn't draft that position because it meant you could come back with your next pick and probably get better value and go after a more thin position group and- And so with that thinking, I think if you don't go quarterback first, you really have whatever option you want. It could be Isaiah Simmons, it could be Tristan Wirfs, it could be A.J. Epinesa, so many options at that spot. But once you get past that first pick, I think the next pick in the first round, the Steelers pick, is a great spot to get an edge because I think you're going to get a crack at either Yatir Grossmatos or Caleb on chase on from LSU and Penn States where gross models comes from, by the way, I think that's a great spot for those guys to go. So I'll say edge right there. And then the back end of the first round, I think that could be a great spot for a safety, whether it's Antoine Winfield from Minnesota or Alabama's Xavier McKinney, two guys that would be great options at the end of the first round. So I will say, First pick, I'll just go ahead and say offensive tackle with Tristan Wirfs. I'll say second pick would be the edge between Gross Matos and Chason, and the third pick would be a safety with Winfield and McKinney as the options there. Alright guys, that was a really fun podcast. I appreciate all the questions. I'm just I'm, I'm fading, so I apologize for that, but let's go ahead and get out of here for today's show. Be back on Sunday with a lot more energy, hopefully, and a recap, maybe a second straight victory. We'll see about that, but for now, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy all the college football games and the Dolphins and Jets. Fins up, Jets down, and check back on Sunday for the recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up,